And now, the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. Here are your hosts, Brandon Staten and Tyler Hansbro. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. This is Sleep Dog with the Big Hawk. What's up, everybody? It is the Big Hawk. Man, Sleep, I don't think I've ever been more excited to do a podcast than I am right now. We have an absolutely amazing pod coming your way. This is one of the few things that I would actually say we are, and by we I mean Tyler, is uh, very qualified to project our opinion onto. We're going to get here shortly into Sleephawk Worldwide first annual North Carolina basketball season preview. I'm going to break down everything. I mean, dude, guys that are – we're going to figure out what classes these dudes are in mm-hmm. uh, down on the end of the bench, uh, you know, what their what their arts and crafts majors are and things of that nature. We're going to get deep into Carolina basketball, so stay tuned for that. we got a few other things that we were discussing, uh, you know, prior to the show – uh, in case we just you know run out of steam with our preview, uh, but the first thing as we've been doing lately, we're gonna lament uh, Carolina's loss to uh, Notre Dame in prime time. South Bend, same old song. Score a thousand points, give up a thousand and one. Big Hog, you made the trip all the way to Chicago to that neck of the woods for the game uh, to hang out with the crew. Mm-hmm. I did not. I did watch it though. I watched a lot of it. Um, I don't know, man. What were your thoughts? My first thought that comes to mind, uh, next time we all go to Chicago, sleep, you got to come. Well. Uh, it's an absolutely amazing city. Love it. Um, love the city. Um, and I'll tell you guys, and this is just a different topic. I stayed at this trendy, nice little boutique hotel. I'm never doing that again. I'm sick of these hotels that are trendy, bougie, and they just don't – they overcharge, and it's just not the – it's not the marquee. It's not the Marriott. You know, it's not the like they, but they charge you more and you expect more. You're saying they don't leave the light on for you. Well, not only that, sleep. You had to put the card in this mm. little thing. Don't for like that. All the things to work, and you know, after getting mangoed to death by uh, <laughs> seventy-five uh, mango white claws, uh, Bobby Frazier, uh, he asked us if we wanted black cherry or mango, and before we could say black cherry, he said mango. I don't know why mm. he asked us, but. Um, it's an amazing city. I was in enemy territory. I really needed that last touchdown, and the spread would have won. Uh, would have won a little money on it. But UNC football, man, what a disappointment! And I don't really know what to say. Uh, positive. Uh, looked like we came out and fought. Notre Dame's a good team. We knew that going into it. You know, Sam Howell, Josh Downs. I could name another player right now, sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's because that's uh, about all that ever show up to the game, it seems like. I mean, look, we played fine. We 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 kind of got what we expected. You know, plenty of offensive output, very little defense. Uh, you know, you hear some more murmurs now about, you know, what in the world is going on defense. It's just you can't stop a a cold, man. And and our defense is is like I thought our defense was supposed to be pretty good, but it's not. And um you know, we just couldn't get stops when we need them, and we definitely, um, you know, didn't have enough weapons, in my opinion, to to fight off Notre Dame. I mean, we, we like we like you said, we kind of knew it was coming. We got Wake next at home uh, this Saturday, so we're, we're a favorite in that game. How we're a favorite the, to beat Wake Forest? I don't know how that's that's possible, um, but 
Hey, you know what? I'll take it. Some positivity from that area. We'll take it. And of course, you know, before anything happens, let's not get too excited because uh, the real test for UNC football is what happens when things get started. Not before, but hey, you know, Notre Dame's a tough team. You know, South Bend is not an easy place to play. And, uh, you know, we put a lot on that game because uh, we've been quietly, we've been disappointed uh, before that. And we thought we could try to win at South Bend and make up for a lot of disappointments uh, prior. But uh, that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. You know what you got to do is you got to make the most of the next game. You got to try to win. Uh, Just from an outside perspective, somebody watching the game and that was heavily invested in it financially, um, (laughs) I will say, I will say, I do think that what this team, I think they're improving, but I will say they need to make the most of, you know, every little single play matters. You know, those two yards that we miss out, you know, we're scrambling. And then instead of making a smart decision for the next play, it seems like we take a big sack. I'm not, I don't think Sam Howell running the ball every other down is a solution. Uh, like we said it here before, you know, what's wrong with getting two or three yards? Why do we have to get a home run play every other you know, down, it seems like we're throwing a Hail Mary. Um, but I don't know. I don't know football, but I know we're not winning and something needs to change. I know their running back had 22 carries for 199 yards and a touchdown. You're not going to win very many games where you let the other guys rush for 200 yards on the ground. One dude, um, you know, we just, they rushed for almost 300. Hell, their slow-ass quarterback rolled out one of them about 50 yards one time. And then the other piece was just discipline. Like you look at – I'm looking at the team stats and everything matches up pretty – like really evenly. We had more yards, total yards, than they did. Uh, third down efficiency. I give – I talk shit about us not being able to stop anybody on third down. We were 6 of 11. They were 5 of 11. Obviously, Sam had more uh, you know, passing yards. We had 213 yards on the ground. Sam was the leading rusher. Uh, they had 293. We had nine penalties for 75 yards, and it seemed like we always made it at the worst possible time. So, you know, it just felt like I'm looking at the stats, man, and it's pretty damn even. 28 first downs for us, 26 for them. Time of possessions within 30 seconds. Yards is within 25. I mean, this game was 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 statistically close, but it's like we killed ourselves right when it mattered. And I think that's the frustrating part as you as you watch these games is just, you know, kind of the lack of discipline when it matters. I mean, I guess we're young, but, you know, for a team that was so, um, you know, that was so pumped up coming into the season, it's it's a shame that this game, you know, doesn't mean more because, I mean, we played the number 11 team on the road pretty damn close and it just didn't ever really feel like it. Never really felt like we had a chance, but. Yeah, and I agree with you, Sleep. You know, we give uh, a lot of praise to Sam Howell. Part of this is also when you're a guy that gets this hype and you're the man on the team, it's on you to be a leader. And a lot of this comes down to, you know, when you're not winning games, you see great players step up and they, they own it. They make their teammates better. And so I think Sam's got to address this in the locker room or some some form to bring it out where he can get his teammates to play at a different level than what they're playing right now. I honestly think that goes down to the next step would be learning the game a little bit better and trying to get more possessions for three, four, five yards instead of these every other play going for a 20-yarder down the field, you know, to an you know, Josh Downs. And I think the play calling has to get better on the offensive end uh, uh, just to put us in better position. But, you know, defensively, we always talk about defense. Hey, we couldn't tackle a statue right now. Uh, (laughs) So, 
you know, I'm sitting here complaining about the offense, but the real issue is defensively. But let's not just totally negate offensively. You know, sometimes when you have these big glaring problems, you forget to look at what is really good and how to fix that and make it a little bit better. And I think offensively, we can do some things better too. Yeah, it's weird. And this is kind of the last thing I'll say about it, and then I'll leave them alone. Because, you know, I'm looking at the the, the overall rankings, right? Total defense, Carolina is 78th in the country. But that game, that can be really misleading. I mean, Wake is 100th. Right, but Wake's undefeated and you know, and, and fighting for a spot in the college football playoff. Um, you know, our big thing, in my opinion, is just you know we can't stop the run, and when you can't stop the run, you know, running kind of con- controls the game. And so, you know, if 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 every time you go out there, somebody is is dropping, you know. 200 yards on you. I'm looking for us here. We're 94th in the country stopping the run. I mean, that's right there with Duke. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I've seen a lot of teams in the ACC got really shitty defense. So it just goes to kind of show that nobody in the in the league can can pretty much uh, stop uh, a faucet if they had the <laughs> handle in their hand. But, you know, look, man, it's just underwhelming season. We can say it every single time we get out of here or, or we get on here and, and talk about the last game and then how, um, you know, we just look forward to the next one. I mean, we got two ranked teams and two good ones in Wake Forest and Pitt coming up. And, you know, if we can win those two games, you know, you can kind of hang your hat on something. But, uh, you know, it's still looking like we – uh, we really need a, a, a win that defines our season because right now we don't have one. Mm-mm, I agree with you. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what the solution is. Neither does uh, anybody over there on the coaching staff, I don't think. So, hey, we're not <laughs> alone. But, hey, look, uh, we're basketball school. Hawk talk time. Uh, we're going to get in. We got Elizabeth City Stage Powerhouse Exhibition Friday night before we kick the season off in earnest next Tuesday, November 9th. Big Hawk, give us the rundown, man. You've been uh, you've been hooping with the guys. I, I got the roster and I got the schedule, and that's all about all I know. So uh, I'm going to learn on the fly here, but obviously excited for another season of Carolina basketball. Yeah, I've been playing pickup. I played pickup with the guys uh, pretty much all summer. You know, I am excited, and uh, I'm excited for this basketball season in a lot of different ways. And let me start off by saying it is going to be different for a lot of Carolina fans out there not seeing Coach Williams on the sidelines. We're so used to that, just his, uh, you know, his presence. Knowing that he was our coach, we always felt like if we had a bad year, we knew, we knew that he was going to work to do it and fix things. And we had a lot of faith. Now, a lot of people, (laughs) the great thing about Coach Williams is, you know, he was so focused that uh, a lot of Carolina fans know more about basketball in their mind than Coach Williams ever did. (laughs) And so, and they were vocal about every Carolina fan. And, And the point is, we knew that, and we knew it wasn't true, but we still voiced it. And Coach Williams, he was pretty good at like, being able to, you know, not destroy anybody when he said that. You know, Coach Williams is the best. It's going to be different not seeing him on the sideline. And I know that was a weird little rant I went on, but I will say that I love Hubert. I love Coach Davis and what he's doing. I've watched, uh, you know, one or two. I haven't watched as many practices as I want, but uh, the first thing I want to say is I think Coach Davis did a great job hiring new staff. And I think uh, getting Sean May as an assistant coach was huge. And I think that's somebody relevant, uh, new, and somebody that can relate to the players, but also somebody that 
these young kids know about and they'll listen to a lot. I think the staff that Coach Davis has assembled is is brilliant. I think adding Jeff Lebo and his experience, you know, NBA experience, head coaching jobs all across Division One college in the past on his resume, and then also him playing at Carolina and being such a good player, he knows the dynamic and he knows how it works. And then Brad Frederick coming over, you know, it's, uh, been with Coach Williams, he knows the program well, he knows the team, and then we have uh, Pat Sullivan who played at Carolina and has been an assistant coach on six different NBA teams and has a just a, a tremendous amount of knowledge of the game. And so uh, he's a director of recruiting. He's not an assistant, but he is on staff, and he's going to be beneficial. Just from a, uh elevated standpoint, Sleep, what is your like general vibe before the season? What are your expectations, and what are you thinking this team is capable of? So that's a loaded question, man. No matter what my expectations are, I need to either not tell you what they are or lie about them because everything I say, the exact opposite happens unless I say something negative is going to happen, and then exactly what I say usually happens, especially when it relates to a team that I'm intimately involved with. Um, I have, you know, very... I guess I have no expectations. You know, with preseason, 19, I hate the preseason rankings as much as I hate when everybody freaks out about the schedule coming out. It's like so irrelevant to me. Mm-hmm. And we've shown it time and time again with us and with other teams. But I like the fact that because it's going to happen and everybody's going to freak out and everybody's going to have all this, you know, hype about whomever or who we're playing or where we're ranked or this, that, and the third. Um, you know, I think that in some ways – you know, we, we talked about it earlier when you got Baycott and you got Caleb Love, uh, the only two guys that are supposed to be, you know, preseason uh, all ACC guys. I think Baycott, first team, Love, I think they said second team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that because it's just sort of like under the radar. You got this whole backdrop of, of Kay's farewell tour that's going to take all the attention all year, right? All leading up to that one game, we just go blow the doors off Cameron Indoor mm-hmm. Stadium at the end of the year. Um, yeah, so I, I, I'm very comfortable with where we're at, and I think it gives us the opportunity to just sort of like grow as a team. You got to have sort of – you're going to have attention because Hubert's, you know, in his first year. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you know, I still think that there is a bit of um, – I don't know the best way to say it. Like, you know, there's there, th- that's going to take some pressure off because some of the blame to a slow start or, you know, we, we lose a couple games we're not supposed to. Well, guess what? It's not Roy anymore. It's a different time, right? And those questions are going to start getting asked if we, if we perform poorly. But I just think that the stars are kind of aligned for once for the first time in a long time where – North Carolina is just another team in the eyes of, the, of of society right now, and that gives us an opportunity to let some players sort of learn how to play together and grow into a role and and surprise people. And that's not usually a place where you know Carolina gets to play from. And so I'm excited to kind of see some of these guys, um, you know, get to get to mature in that environment. Yeah, and I agree. And sleep my freshman year, oh five, oh six. Um, we didn't have a lot of expectations, and not a lot of people were expecting our team to be good. Looking back, I would say that is one of the teams that fans loved. And what did mm-hmm. they like about that team? They liked that that team was together. They liked that they showed up and they competed. And what they did is they they played hard every single night. And the fact that they weren't ranked highly, you know, they were trashed in the media and you heard all these things, mm-hmm. just built a fire within that team. And it made us more together, and it made us 
that much more competitive. And also in that 0506 team, we had a great leader in David Noel. Yep. He was one of the best leaders that I've been around. And that team was one of my favorite teams I've ever played on. It's a little different circumstance here, but we do have this team is flying under the radar. And the reason I think we're flying under the radar, and this isn't any, any disrespect to the guys on the team, is we don't have that preseason national player of the year, you know, projection. We don't have that guy that this guy could be the best player in college right now. Right. Now, I think we could have people that are capable. I think Caleb's capable of that. I think Armando's capable of that. You know, we have some guys that have the talent that, you know, I think R.J. Davis is extremely talented. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've seen much much of him of what he's capable of last year. I think he could be a guy that sneaks in that conversation as he grows. I think also Justin McCoy might be there. Um, but we have players, and we have – this year, we're, we have more depth – than we did last year. And we have some transfers, and those transfers, uh, Brady, Mm -hmm. Dawson, and then we have Justin. Those three players are going to be key players. I think they're going to contribute immensely. One uh, one thing I do like about Brady is Oklahoma had a good tournament run. He's a senior. He will provide leadership, and I think he's going to be extremely beneficial to this team. Now, whether he starts, come off the bench, whatever his role is, I think he's going to be a player that we're really going to like to watch. But, uh, you know, we'll just jump right into it. Sleep, what do you think, like, if you were going to predict the starting five right now, who would you say? Like, here, let me put this out here. Now, last year we had some hype and Garrison didn't come back. And I, th- I really felt like Garrison put a lot of pressure on himself. Mm-hmm. I felt like every game he was kind of forcing things and trying to meet these expectations. Now, we don't have that on this team from the aspect of, you know, I see everybody's mindset and I see the growth of these guys. And I feel like this team is very together. We'll talk about this, but I'll just start into it. My starting lineup, who I think going to be our starters consistently. I have Caleb, Armando, Kerwin, Brady, and I have Leakey. Now, Leakey and Justin McCoy, they could flip-flop, but I think to start the season, it's going to be Caleb, Armando, Kerwin, Brady, and Leakey. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think uh, I think you're exactly right on that. And, and, and the point about Brady, is it manic? Uh, well, I'm asking the wrong guy for pronunciation. Guys, um, I can't even <laughs> pronounce... Uh, Tyler. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think ever since Cam Johnson. Yeah, Manic. Yeah, when we caught, you know, caught him in the in the transfer portal, man, like, I think we always are, like, super optimistic about guys like this, right? Just mature mm-hmm. basketball players. I mean, I, you know, you look at him and, uh, you know, I don't know a ton about him. Uh, I know he's going to be that guy that everybody else loves to hate and that we're going to really, really get behind. Um, you know, all we need is a, is somebody else. Last year, one of the biggest ways we get exposed is is essentially Kerwin was the only guy we could count on to to uh, you know as a knockdown shooter, and mm-hmm. we needed more of that, right? We had some scorers, but I think they were so um, shell shocked, especially like Caleb Love and R.J. Davis and some of these other guys that you feel like could score around the perimeter. I just think that it got in their head early on, and and it was just hard a lot a lot of weight to get off their shoulders. I, I agree a hundred percent, and I'm actually looking at. You know, a couple other, um, you know, projections for the lineup. And that seems to, uh, people seem to concur. The one thing I wanted to to mention is that, you know, we're going to find out who this team is pretty early on. Now, I, again, like I always bitch about preseason rankings. So what am I going to do? I'm going to point to how many preseason ranked teams we're about to play right out of the gate. So we start off with these snooze-a-thons with like Brown, <laughs> College of Charleston. Then we got Purdue. 
preseason seven. Then we got Villanova or Tennessee. Both of those guys, what are they? Tennessee's top 25. Villanova's top five right now. Then we got UNC Asheville before uh, Thanksgiving, and then we got Michigan. So regardless whether these teams are ranked or not, they're all good teams um, or, you know, project to be. So, you know, we're going to come first of December, and we're going to know this team's either going to be probably somewhere hovering around the top 25 or or in the top 10 and really playing well. And it'll be really fun to see them sort of, you know, get going. And it'll be really exciting. We can get a couple wins under our belt early on. Yeah, and I agree. You know, you, you got these, you know, Vel- Velanova has really made a push for a powerhouse. And I think a lot has to do with is that they've kept four-year guys and they've really been able to push that system and that style on a lot of players. Now they're getting a lot of talent. So uh, that's going to be a really exciting game to watch. But, you know, as I look at this, and I just said the starting five, Caleb Armando, Kerwin, Brady, Leakey. Okay, now I'm going to go into our rotational players, and these are going to be the players that come in and get a lot of minutes. First, I'm going to go to the big spot, okay? You know, these are going to be the guys that come in. All right, we got Dawson Garcia. Dawson Garcia is transferred from Marquette. He came in, uh, he lit us up when he played at Marquette in the Dean Dome. Uh, I want to believe um, he had 24 as a freshman in the Dean Dome. He's 6'11". Uh, he isn't a stiff. He has really good touch around the rim, uh, can finish. He's left-handed just like Sleep Dog. Ooh, that's good. That bodes well for the guy. Yeah, and he's a very versatile player, can do a lot of different things. Um, the one thing I really like about Dawson is he's a 76% free throw shooter, and I think our bigs have kind of struggled with free throws uh, kind of late in games where we get up there. and we, you know, I like the fact that these guys are – you know, and a free throw small sound like a small deal, but anytime you knock down that, you know, that easy bucket, you know, late in the game, get those points where you can take them. I think that's extremely important. Free throw shooting has always been a little struggle too. And Brady, uh, he actually shoots 76 too. Um, Brady Manic. So Brady is a versatile player. He can play inside out. He can shoot the three. But what he's going to do is he's a hard-nosed player that can do a lot of different things. So if he's not knocking down the shot, I think he can impact the game in so many different ways, getting rebounds, loose balls, playing defense. Just knowing the scheme and being that veteran guy uh, that we have on the team is going to be super beneficial for us. I like the way he plays and I like the way he brings it. I was going to say that's going to be our main rotation at the big. Uh, Sleep, what do you think about our post players? I think the dude's... What, 6'11", 235. That's what jumps off the page at me, left-handed, which I do think, you know, probably at the college level, being left-handed in the post gives you a a, kind of a unique – it's like being a left-handed boxer, I guess. It's not totally unconventional, but, um, you know, you do have probably uh, some – younger, inexperienced type defenders that probably struggle to guard guys with the left hand. So, um, I don't know, man. I'm excited to, to – I mean, the size is there and, and the the mobility, like a stretch five kind of guy is, is, uh, is something that I feel like we haven't really – I'm trying to think. You know, we haven't had at least last season. I mean, I wouldn't consider Garrison Brooks a stretch five. No, he's right? not a stretch player. Like, uh, he doesn't. He doesn't have the size he's a, either. Right. I mean, I think Garrison was listed at six ten, but he's he's shorter than me. Um, yeah, the thing I love about him, looking at the lineup, every single guy's weight except for Anthony Harris ends in a five or a zero, and it's like, wow, these guys really nailed it on the uh, <laughs> on the dietary 
uh, plan here. But yeah, like guys like this is what I'm looking at though is guys like Manic. He's six nine, but he's two forty five. I mean, that's dura. You know, that's durability weight there. I mean, yeah. you got guys uh, Garcia's two thirty five, McCoy is two twenty five. Baycott, we know about him. He's 240, dude. That's a I mean, I get these guys are tall, but holy shit, man. That's a lot of weight in the post, especially if those guys can can move around the perimeter. And uh, what about Dontrez Styles, man? He's a guy that interests me. So he, he I wouldn't consider him a post player. No, no, no. And, right. Uh, you know, he is a freshman. I have the two freshmen uh, that are going to make a big impact. Dontrez Styles. Uh, I probably Dontrez. jumped ahead on you there. Uh, no, no, no. We'll get to him. He's about 6'6", 205, and this guy is athletic, can really finish extremely strong. He's going to be a big-time player. Now, whether he gets a ton of minutes this year, I don't know. He's capable of that. Uh, the one thing that he's got to do is he's really got to, you know, like every freshman, learn the schemes um, and also, you know, build chemistry with the current players and from the aspect of, you know, you go from being the best high school player to all of a sudden playing with, you know, other guys that are, you know, could be better and also other very good players where you have to, you know, you don't have to force things, but you have to learn how to build that chemistry with those players. Dontrez is going to be a big time player and he's going to be, uh, he's going to be somebody we like. Uh, he has athleticism to actually be at the next level. And then we have the other freshman, uh, DeMarco Dunn, who is uh, more of a point guard, very athletic, extremely quick. And, you know, I think he's going to have to, you know, like every point guard, he's going to learn a lot. Also, we have so much depth at the point guard position with Caleb and RJ. I think he's going to be a guy that really learns and comes along. Yeah, and, you know, you bring up a point by by asking about Dontrez. Now, I think, um, you know, I haven't talked to anybody on the team, but I think Coach Davis may be going to a more modern style of basketball. What I mean by that is more of a stretch system. Whereas Coach Williams was more of a traditional two bigs, beat you down low, get offensive rebounds, and push, push, run the ball. I think Coach Davis could be heading towards more of a uh, modern dynamic style where they have more people on the wings and kind of spread out, maybe let Armando work down low, give him room. Mm -hmm. And I think Dawson actually gives you that space. Brady gives you that space. Uh, both have the ability to knock down the, the three-point shot, but also be dynamic with the ball. So I think that is uh, something that we need to look at. And I think, you know, maybe something as fans you can see kind of like the different style from Coach Williams if you actually are able to pick that up. That really interests me because one of the things that was really missing in the last, I don't know, three or four seasons, at least since 2017, was just our sheer ability to get out and run. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. the last several se couple seasons, I mean, you'd find us in a half court off. I mean, anytime Carolina's scoring 60, less than 70 points in a game, you know, with regularity, something's something's wrong there. Our style of basketball, when you think back to all the great guards we've had, is somebody gets a rebound. And if you're not at the bucket within about three or four seconds, you know, you're not going to stop us. And so um, it, it will be interesting to watch a more, I guess you would kind of call that more of a pro style at this point, um, a, a spread sort of floor uh, option. Uh, do you think we're going to really slow the ball down in comparison to that? Or, you know, is that still something that, you know, our first our first instinct is going to be outlet, secondary break or, or, or primary break, or whatever the hell you call it, and no, off and run? No. I mean, this is Carolina. You know, I think I heard Coach Davis talk about it. We're going to run. They're going to run a lot. But also with the more modern style is what I mean by that is, you know, the ability to penetrate pitch more. 
Got it. And, you know, the analytics of basketball to now kind of push the three-point shot, I think we could see more of an emphasis on that, where we can score from, where high-percentage shots, Mm -hmm. corner three is always something that's talked about. You know, penetrating and finding the open spot and keep on moving, kind of like what most basketball fans will know, like Golden State, if they watch the NBA and they watch Golden State, they watch Steph Curry – Clay Thompson, Draymond. Now, Draymond at times can play the five for Golden State, and you can see him as a dynamic big, you know, not traditional where I mean modern, modern where you throw it down on the post and you let the post guy. Well, the post guy is out on the perimeter setting picks, rolling towards the basket and kind Mm -hmm. of getting uh, layups in movement. And when the help comes, then they can kick it to a three-point shot and then they can make that. But that's what I mean more about the modern. No, we're still running. And I think there's going to be a lot of, listen, there's no better shot than a a wide open layup in basketball. Mm -hmm. That's the highest percentage shot in basketball. And you get those in transition. So absolutely, I think we're going to see uh, North Carolina run a lot. So, you know, I'm excited about that. But what I do think is we're going to see sometimes maybe four guards and Armando, maybe Mm -hmm. four guards Dawson, Mm -hmm. maybe four guards Brady and kind of that mix and match. And, you know, maybe four guards and, you know, Justin, maybe five guards. I don't know. I mean, this is all, you know, something new that Carolina is about to see and witness. And, you know, I'm curious about it. I'm curious about how much influence you'll be able to see in the way Hubert coaches. And, and for example, like the first thing that comes to mind to me is when the, you know, do you let the team – Work its way out of, you know, when they're obviously, you know, the team's obviously going on a run. We're kind of famous for just letting that happen, not really calling timeout and just just rolling with it. And then also just those wholesale changes when he gets pissed and he just ring all five of them and throw five more dudes out there. It'd be really interesting to subtleties like that to see, you know, how you know, the 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 personality, I guess, that that Hubert style takes on versus mm-hmm. Coach Williams, because there were differences between him and Dean Smith, but you also could very starkly see the whole timeout thing was was famously passed down, right? And uh it'll be really kind of cool to watch that transition in terms of like what are the things he takes away and what are the things that he does, you know, that are unique, you know, only to him. So it's it's gonna be interesting. And the other thing that'll be really fun in the style of offense that you mentioned is is shooters you know and i feel like we haven't had them i mentioned it before we, we haven't had a ton of them re- in recent mm-hmm. sort of history really i guess since cam like you had cam and joel berry and marcus page and those guys and you know recently you had Kerwin, and he was good he was great uh but i feel like he would really thrive in this sort of system you got guys like i think brady's gonna be a shooter right we got some other guys mm-hmm. that that should be able to shoot and especially if they're open so right if we have a running offense that's conducive to that a, a a team that shoots is definitely a more fun team to watch these days uh you know a team that just dunks all over the other guys are pretty good too but um <laughs> yeah I, it's there's a lot of good storylines and again it's all coming from a place right where the expectations are pretty mediocre so uh, maybe for at least like two or three games, Carolina fans, we can just kind of sit back and maybe enjoy what we're seeing instead of uh, freaking the fuck out after about 20 minutes of the first half against who? Uh, Wisconsin. <laughs> Elizabeth City State. Loyola. So one thing we don't want to do is go out there and, uh, you know, show up number 19 and just drop one to Loyola, Maryland. Loyola MD, doctor. And, uh Yeah. Start season 0-1. Got to uh, win the first game. You do. And, you know, we lost in 5 We lost the first game, sure to, I think, to Santa Clara or somebody worked, like that. Yeah, it worked out all right for us. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing what, what happens early on. I mean, 
And you know, you brought it up. You're excited about Kerwin. Kerwin's one of the best players. It's amazing how under the radar Kerwin has been. You know, he hasn't gotten much preseason pub. Mm-mm. And I think he's one of the best players in ACC. Dude can shoot. Dude. He shot 42% from the three line last year. He was a 42% three-point shooter. You know, he averaged eight points a game. I think the one thing people look at him is he had some careless turnovers at times. Mm-hmm. And I think he needs to fix that. I mean, you talk about one of the best knockdown spot shooters in college. Yeah. And I think of Kerwin. Dude. And I think he's going to have a great year. I think he's getting overlooked. That's what I love about players about Kerwin. I don't think it bothers him. Uh, at least he doesn't express it. But what he does do is he shows up in those games and he and he proves himself through action. And that's something I really like. I love his demeanor. He just looks like nothing ever bothers him. Like high, low, he just has the same sort of stoic look on his face, passing the ball, and it's just rinse, repeat, man. His 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 uh his his jumper is just like automatic, man. His 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 um you know you can you can tell that his his form is always the same, and you can tell this dude shot thousands of shots in the gym, and he's some guy somebody you can count on to to knock it down. It's gonna be fun to watch guys, you know. Fill that role. And, you know, another guy who I think is going to be really good is uh, Justin McCoy, the transfer from Virginia. He didn't get a lot of burn at Virginia, but when I play pickup with this guy, I think he's going to be a hell of a player. Uh, I think he's one of those guys that has ability to play a 4-5, but also play the 3-2. Uh, he can get he gets offensive rebounds. He's extremely competitive. I think he's going to have a big year and have big moments for Carolina uh, I think he's from Raleigh too, so he, you know, he's a local guy, and uh, I'm extremely excited about him as well. But also, uh, the one guy who I think could be a huge impact player, and I think this is this is my X factor for the whole year. Okay, I think R.J. Davis could be a hell of a player. Now he only averaged eight points a game last year. And uh, he had some careless turnovers. He has a high turnover assist ratio. But he shot 82% from the free throw line, which is great for us. I think he can be one of the most explosive scorers in college. Now, I think he has to get his confidence up, and I think he has to be a little more consistent. But I think he has a quickness. He has a ball handling skills to take somebody off the dribble and do a lot of different things. I think he just needs to learn you know, that chemistry and how to bring that competitive spirit every single night. But I think if he gets going to the, his capability and plays – the way I think he's capable of playing, I think he's going to be a huge player for us, and I think he could be easily a double double digit scorer for us every single night. Wouldn't it be fun to just watch him have fun again, right? It feels like that's something that's been missing a lot for the last couple of years, and I think we got a we have a group of guys that seem like they could really get cohesive, and this is the type of team that like you see in tournaments be successful, not because they have Zion or because they have Anthony Davis or because they have Tyler Hansborough, but because of the pieces that they put together. And you know the the cohesion that they play, and and there's a lot to be said about. And I mean, God knows I'm the least qualified to to give this analysis, but a lot to be said for playing for a team that can play together and understand when and where other players are going to be and when they're going to be there, and you know, and and really really band together. Uh, and buy into the system. So I feel like there's not only are there tempered expectations, there doesn't seem to be a lot of egos. Like I said at the last pod or maybe the one before, uh-huh. like Caleb Love coming back to me 
was like, I'll root for that guy. I don't care if he doesn't make a shot all season. Yeah. I'm so happy that that guy made the decision he made in the face of the criticism that he was getting as a player and then the whole thing, stuff going on around him. Um, you know, I'm always going to be a fan of him. And I think, you know, Baycott has a great demeanor and so do some of these other guys. And, and I think ego is one of the things that you just probably don't have to worry about on this team. At least that's what it looks like from the outside looking in. I'd love to see guys like Leaky Black finally break through yeah. and just be a consistent player, play well on defense. That's that's who I'm interested to see is what what players evolve as like our lockdown defenders. Mm-hmm. When you're playing the top dude from the other team, like who's your guy that's gonna guard the guy, and make him have a miserable night so that the rest of us can, you know, can overcome the lack, you know, I guess relative lack of talent that we may face from time to time in some of these stronger teams. But you know, a lot of sort of athletes in in my opinion. And and this is gonna be one of the more um fun seasons to watch. It could all go to shit very quickly. I mean, we play some some really good teams early on. We'll know who we are, like I said, by the beginning of December, beginning of the year. But uh there's a good chance we could we could really like what we see. Yeah, sleep. Now you brought up a great point. You said I just want to see the guys have fun again. That's what it's about, man. Mm-hmm. And it's about, you know, these guys having the ability to play with each other and lose, you know, lose themselves in the game. Now, when you're not playing for expectations and you're playing to win games as a, as a team, you guys have that great chemistry. Man, special things can happen. You know, I I, I love that you brought up Caleb because I've been around Caleb and his his mindset has been unbelievable in the off season. He has been determined. He's been positive, and you can see him putting in the work. And I hope it pays off. But if it doesn't, I hope he doesn't get discouraged because working hard and doing the right things is is always great and always makes you a better player, uh, even if you don't see the immediate result. But I think he's going to have a great year. I mean, he can be one of the most explosive players in college, and he is young. And I think he's still growing as a player and he'll have some up and down games, but I think he could be potentially one of the best players in college. And also he has a potential to play at the next level um, as well. But, you know, like you said, is I think the key for this team is to stay together. Mm -hmm. You know, they take these losses early on. Don't get discouraged because you, you saw it last year, UCLA, they had the play in game and they made it to the final four. You, you never know what can happen when your team stays together for the long season. They keep on growing and they keep getting better, just a little bit better every single day. Uh, and learning from those losses can make you a hell of a team when it comes to, you know, March. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all this preseason, midseason, who's playing the best, you know, in December, January, you know, that stuff's cool and those rankings really matter. But March and being the best player, being the best team and being hot at the right time, that's the most important part to me. Damn right. And it's like you said, man, that's why you play him. I, and I said that Caleb is either they got him, I think, preseason second team, all ACC. I said, there's no way. He's either going to be mm-hmm. in a contention for the player of the year or nowhere to be found. And I think we're going to be talking about the former, uh, you know, when it's all said and done because he's a talented dude that's just waiting on – you know, some things to fall his way. So, mm-hmm. all right. So we never we never get ahead of ourselves here on Sleephawk Worldwide. We didn't do it with football when we projected that we were going to go undefeated and win the national championship. <laughs> <laughs> and then that we were going to be one loss team, win the national championship, and then a two loss team and still potentially win the national championship. And we're not damn sure not going to do it here. So I'm going to ask you, Big Hawk, where does Carolina finish in the ACC? They have the ability to win the ACC. And when I look at the ACC, I think it is a tough conference, but I don't think there's anybody on there we can't beat. You know, we should be easily a top three team. 
I hate saying we should finish number one, but you know, we're capable of winning the ACC. You know, when I look at Duke, um, I look at them, they're beatable. And, uh, so yeah, I, th- I think we are, we are one of the top teams in the ACC top three easily. Yep. I think we are preseason number three, yet we are preseason ahead of number two, Florida state projected in the AP top 25. So it's, it just goes to show how much, you know, credibility these things have. Um, yeah, it'll be so easy. To, Duke's one. Duke's one. I think Florida State's two, and we're three in the ACC. And I'm sitting here looking at AP top 25. We're 19. Florida State is 20. So who the hell knows? Maybe I'm wrong about that, but maybe somebody else was third, but there's nobody above us in the ACC. So I can guarantee you that Kay and Duke will get more calls this year than – I, I can't imagine being on that team. I mean, and, and much respect to Duke and Kay, but yeah, right. you know, I'm not I'm not about the retiring before the season. I mean, come on. Like what I don't know about that. Yeah, they're gonna get more calls and dominoes on a Saturday night. Um, and it's gonna be really frustrating, but we're just gonna keep it together and you know, do what we do, which is kick their ass. So uh another interesting one is Auburn twenty two. I just saw them down there. So old Walker, wish him the best unless they're playing us, but um, anything else to cover on the on the just groundbreaking coverage of the North Carolina basketball preseason preview, Big Hawk? I think we're good there. All right, guys. Couple things before we get out of here. So the first thing is the arm barn. We got it. We got to discuss this. So mm-hmm. we were talking. Uh, I saw this thing come through. I don't remember if it was his Twitter or uh, something or Instagram, whatever. But PETA is lobbying for Major League Baseball to stop calling the place where pitchers warm up the bullpen because it's like degrading to animals. All right. So stop right there for a second. Is that not the stupidest thing you've ever heard? It's up there, right? Until you hear what they want to call it, which is the arm barn. And I think there's a valuable lesson to be learned here, which is it doesn't matter how stupid your idea is, as long as the thing you have to like replace it with it's just brilliant. And the arm barn, like, why didn't we think of that? I mean, dude, this is the greatest thing. I, I could not be more in favor of changing the name of the bullpen to the arm barn. Couldn't be more. I'm, I'm right there with you, Sleep. <laughs> uh, this is brilliant. It's comical. And I will say that, you know, I always kind of like like the bullpen. And then, you know, the, the bullpen's always in the back. And then they just open up the gates and there comes jogging. Some, some psychopath. Yeah, you know, about 50 pounds over shape, just got a big-ass chew in, just ready to throw the heat right down the middle. Just throw his shoulder right through the backstop. (laughs) Uh, Who knows what all, uh, you know, they're on, but I will say I'm all for the arm barn. I love it. I I think it's great, and I like the fact that they said, we like the arm barn better. And you're right, I like the arm barn. Dude, if we go, uh, if, if they change the name to the arm barn, uh, some of y'all got to start contributing here to the Sleep Hawk Worldwide Trust Fund so that we can go down there to the Durham Bulls Stadium and sponsor the, the Sleep Hawk Worldwide Arm Barn. I mean, that's the my favorite thing is like the 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 promos, the sponsorships that are going to come out of this are just going to be out of this world. I mean, how could it not be with a name like Arm Barn? It sounds like some shit from a rodeo or something like that. Um, world Series tonight, Braves. Got a chance to close it out. By the time this goes live, we'll know whether they did or didn't. Uh, if you're anything like me, I don't give a shit. Uh, do you, Big Hawk? Uh, you know, I, I've watched uh, the last game, 
and I saw that the Braves, when they had the Grand Slam, and then I was like, well, they're going to burn Atlanta down tonight. And uh, <laughs> sure enough, I woke up and the Astros had won. <laughs> and that's about I'm, – I'm actually kind of into it because the Braves has, a, has this player who wears a pearl necklace. <laughs> and I think it is the dumbest thing. I think he looks hideous. <laughs> and you know, the fans have really bought into it. And I think it's comical. Now, a side of me wants to pull for the Astros because all the heat they've been taking. And now they're going to win it. It's going to be like an F you to everybody that talks uh, a little trash to them. But – I don't know. I don't know. Are you pulling for anybody? Dude, I'll tell you, I told you this the other night. This is a God's honest truth. Like, I like goofing off, like, to get a laugh out of people, but this is a true story and a total accident. I'm watching the game the other night, and I think it was like th- it was like last Thursday night, maybe. It was game two, I think. I'm four innings in, and I'm like, all right, you know, whatever's going on. And then I switch over to the football game, and I see a commercial for a game, whatever. And I just realized that I'd watched four innings of a rerun of the game two on MLB Network and had no idea. Um, And I was like, well, I'll be damned. I was actually into it, and it was a game that had already been played and decided, and I didn't know it until I I switched the channel and saw that I was like, damn, they're playing another game tomorrow? Wait a second. That's the one I was just watching. I've I've done that. It's YouTube TV. Yeah. They just put it right there on the homepage. That's it, man. They just throw it to you. Yeah, and they don't even really – they kind of disguise that it's not Mm -hmm. live, right? Yeah. Um, So it's live coverage of the rerun. Uh, Yeah, no, I don't really care. I guess at this point, dude, I – Sure, Braves. I mean, why not? Uh, you know, um, always. I got a lot of friends that are Braves fans. Growing up in the in North Carolina, man, pretty much everybody's. A it's Braves amazing fan. how they've come out of the woodwork. Oh, this everywhere. Year. You know, I can't turn my head without somebody having a Braves uh, hat on. Yeah, but anyway. So there's some other stuff going on, but none of it's really that fun to talk about. I don't think the Canes eight zero. These guys just keep winning. Don't know when they play again, but uh, old Sleephawk Worldwide might have to make an appearance because they don't lose a lot when we're around. Mm-mm. But um, anything else you got, Big Hawk? Uh, stay safe. Stay safe. Stay safe.